What's up, Everlast? Merry Christmas to you. I hope that this podcast finds you doing so very awesome, especially in this Christmas season. And hey, if you're a new listener, my name is Kev. I'm the young adult pastor here at Everlast, and Everlast is the young adult ministry of Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Let me just say, we are so glad that you're tuning in. Well, in this particular podcast, we wrap up our series, The Core Four. And let me just say, God has moved in such a sweet way this past month as um, we've taken a look at what's going on deeper in our hearts. But before we continue on the final core idol tonight, let's recap on some very important information as well as the previous three core idols we've already worked through and talked about. So with that, what is an idol? To reiterate again, an idol can be described as anything we put before God. Where does idolatry begin? Well, idolatry starts in the heart. Craving, wanting, enjoying, being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God. Y'all, God cares deeply about this. He actually made it a part of His commands. Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 through 5 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Verse 5 says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. What we've talked about these past few weeks is how idols have two categories. Surface idols and source idols. Out of the two idol categories, surface idols are easier to spot because they're closer to the surface. Thus, many people recognize them as the cause of many of the problems they have in their relationships with both God and people. We've labeled these idols as branch sins because they are less observable than root sins. Just like a tree, remember, you can see the branches quicker than seeing the roots. And let me just real quick remind you of just a handful of examples of, of what these surface idols include. They include image idolatry, where life only has meaning. I only have worth if I have a particular kind of look or body image. Achievement idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I'm being recognized for my accomplishments, if I'm excelling in my career. Racial or cultural idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if my race and culture is ascendant and recognized as superior. Relationship idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if Mr. or Mrs. Wright is in love with me. Materialism idolatry. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I have a certain level of wealth, um, financial freedom, uh, and very nice possessions. Here's the thing though, these idols and the like, ultimately, y'all, they're, they're, they're not the problem. These idols are always connected to something deeper. They're connected to our heart. Now, whereas surface idols are more readily understood and even more recognizable to many people, source idols by nature are more subversive and much harder to initially recognize. And this is what we've been calling the core four. These source idols, AKA the core four, include comfort, approval, control, and pride. These are the idols that drive all other idolatries in our lives. The first core idol we talked about was control. My wife, Tina, 
who is our Everlast coordinator, y'all, she did an excellent job of unpacking what the core out of the control of control is and why our hearts are prone to try and gain control rather than surrender to God, who is ultimately already in absolute control. Because God is in sovereign, I'm sorry, because God is sovereign and in control, we can trust him. We can let go of our worry and our anxieties in control, ultimately finding freedom in his ultimate control and his care. The second core idol we talked about was comfort. We talked about trading in earthly, temporal, and selfish pursuits, aka comfort, in order to effectively pursue Jesus. You see, on the other side of discomfort is delight in Christ. Remember, comfort seems safe, but it will sabotage your faith. The third core idol we talked about was approval. We talked about three branch sins that are connected to the core idol of approval. That is people-pleasing, sensitivity, and comparison. All three of these branch sins are great indicators that approval is, is happening in our hearts. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. You see, it is not horizontal identity placing who you are in the hands of man, but vertical identity placing who you are in the hands of God, where we find true resolution to who we are, or better yet, whose we are. Colossians 3.3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your approval before God is woven into the life and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, not in what other men or women think about you. Jesus died so that you may live. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you've already been fully approved. Amen. So our overall goal with this series, The Core Four, is to do two things. It's been to do two things, to recognize and to replace. Recognize and replace. So to recognize the source, or rather core idols that are wreaking havoc in our hearts, but then to ultimately ask God to help bring the entire core forward to the surface and to replace them with the good news, hope, and grace of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, so here we go. In this podcast, we conclude our series, The Core Four, with talking about the core idol of pride. So there's going to be a lot of scriptures, many scriptures mentioned in this podcast, so get ready. So, But to start off, uh, please grab your Bibles or turn with me to, or you can simply listen along as I read Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Again, that's Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Here we go. It says this, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. This is Jesus telling this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Verse 13 says, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14 says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be 
exalted. Let's pray together real quick and ask God to bless this time as we open his word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. You are truly awesome and worthy of our praise. Thank you for your loving kindness. I pray that as we worship you through your word and we sift through the core idol of pride, God, I'm asking you please to help us to truly listen to this podcast, to this sermon with a heart of humility. Help us to be receptive. Help us to surrender all of our thoughts and and affections over to you. And now I'd encourage you to pray for your own heart. Pray this simple prayer right now. Just pray this. Say, God, please speak to me. And now if you're listening with someone or a group of people, I encourage you to take just a brief moment to pray for each other. Pray this. God, please speak to them. Well, Father, we just collectively ask, please speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me ask you something real quick. Have you ever been so sure of something? Or rather, you were so sure and confident in yourself with the answer or solution that you had. I mean, so sure that you were right and that you were willing to bet a whole lot on it. Well, one time I was one time I was brought out to lead worship for a church that was having their high school retreat in Glen Rose, Texas. My band and I led worship every morning and night, and so with that we had some free time throughout the middle of the day to hang out. By the way, on this particular uh, weekend, it was um, raining the entire time, like the entire time, literally pouring down nonstop. So I think it was like the second day of the retreat that we all decided to go for a little hike around the grounds of the retreat center. You know, just some dudes having fun and frolicking in the rain. (laughs) Um, Now, this retreat center was actually right next to the Brazos River. For all of you river connoisseurs tuning in, I'll have you know that the Brazos River is the 11th longest river in the United States at 1,280 miles from its headwater source at the head of uh, Blackwater Draw Curry County in New Mexico, all the way to its mouth at the Gulf of Mexico with a 45,000 square mile drainage basin. Now that that's a big river, that's a big river. Um, anyways, right about in the middle of our hike, we were now on this hill looking down at the river and y'all it was so full and flowing so very fast we decided to hike down to the riverbank and at this particular point of the river it was probably about 75 yards in width now just real quick if you're a lady listening in right now let me just i just want to talk to you just just real quick in case you already didn't know when a group of dudes hang out how do i how do i put this let me think um, uh, stupid stuff happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was free. Just a thought. Just thought I would share that tidbit inf- of information to you. <laughs> um, anyways, all all of you might be thinking right now: Did they actually jump into this large, powerful, flowing river, fully clothed, in the middle of a storm, with no exit plan on how to get out of this said large, powerful, flowing river? Let me just go ahead and answer you. Why? Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> this. Y'all, this is quite literally one of the stupidest things I've ever been a part of. Um, But listen, we had it all figured out, right? We were so very sure of our plan, full of pride that we had it right. We were going to let the river take us down to this certain point that we saw in the distance. This certain point we figured was a quote-unquote safe zone to exit towards. 
Meaning that as the river took us down, we calculated that if we began to swim towards that certain point at a certain time, we, we would make that said safe zone. Now, you, you might be thinking, did they make the safe zone? Let me just go ahead and answer you again. Why no? No, we did not. <laughs> while, flowing, while flowing in this massively strong and mighty river, if you could just put yourself in that position, it was nuts. We were honestly all looking at each other, screaming like little girls, completely freaking out, thinking, this is it. This is it. We're, we are all going to die or float away all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> but, but, but hallelujah, despite our hideous pride, the Lord sent us a tree. <laughs> There's a word there as well. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, the branches on this tree spread out far enough that we were able to swim as hard as we could over to the tree and to grab onto it tighter than any monkey you've seen in any zoo. It was nuts. We were good to go. Now, okay, as silly as that story is, it really honestly did make me think about pride. Y'all, it's absolutely crazy how pride will masquerade itself in so many different forms and will make you say or do the most arrogant, ignorant, and stupidest things. Here's the difficult thing about discussing the, the final core idol of pride, though. This is a, here's the difficult thing. Who needs to hear a message on pride? The proud people, right? But if you're proud, are you really going to listen? <laughs> I mean... You know, really though, I, I, I think I was thinking this through and I'm like, God, this is, this is difficult. Please help us. The people who really need to hear a message on pride are probably the ones that will just sit back and go, you know what? That's just not me. That's not me. Why do I have to listen? I'm not arrogant. I'm not proud. I mean, it's just like in scripture, you know, Jesus confronts the Pharisees so often and they're the ones that actually need to hear it most, right? But they're the very ones that don't hear it. They don't have the ears to hear it. So I've been praying that God would break through very specifically on this core idol of pride as we conclude our series, The Core Four. I'm praying that he would give all of us the ears to actually listen and the hearts to receive his truth. So let me, let me ask you an important question as you're listening right now. Would you please be open to considering that possibly you are proud? Would you be open to thinking that possibly you are the most proud and arrogant person that is listening to this podcast right now and that you need this message more than anyone? If you can't be open, let me just solve it and tell you right now that you're proud. If in asking these questions, you're thinking of someone else who, quote unquote, really needs to hear this and not thinking about you yourself being the one who really needs to hear this. Well, you are proud. You know, this topic is also difficult to discuss because let me just confess and share with you that I've struggled with pride my whole life. It has reared its ugly head in many different forms and in many different ways and in many different times in my life. You know what? Another difficult thing is that we tend to not take pride as seriously as we should. We don't see it as an awful sin. But let me tell you what God says about pride. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5, I'm going to share three different translations with you. The New American Standard Bible Version says, in Proverbs 16, 5, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. 
The New Living Translation says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. The English Standard Version says, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Think about these words, y'all. An abomination detests. The Hebrew word for abomination is toeba, um, which literally means abhorrence or disgusting. What the word is talking about is a person so disgusting in God's sight that he can't even look upon him or her because of their pride. Y'all, I most definitely don't want to be a person that God looks at and says, you know, he's so into himself. He's drawing attention to himself and he's detestable in my sight. I mean, who who wants that? Again, it's just that we don't look at pride as such an awful sin. Our propensity is to literally have a disposition towards pride that responds with, well, it's just not that bad of a sin. In fact, when I just a few moments ago confessed that I have struggled with pride, most of you probably just kind of nonchalantly listened, nodded your head maybe, and and internally said to yourself, yeah, yeah, that's nice. I mean, thanks for sharing, Kev. It's crazy how quick we are to dismiss the core idol of pride and to not see it as awful. I mean, check it out. What if I came onto this podcast and shared with all of you? Everlast, I've been really struggling with stealing lately. I mean, every time I see someone's phone, wallet, or purse, I just can't help it. I have to take it. I'll take the cash and get the credit cards, and then I'll just go to town. I purchase as much as I can before the credit cards get canceled. If I confess that, you know what you would do? You probably would never really have any desire to have a relationship with me or even talk to me again. If you did talk to me, you'd have your wallet so close to your chest or your purse wrapped around your arms eight times, making sure I don't take it from you. I mean, it's it's crazy that we look at certain sins as really bad or disgusting, yet if I share and confess that I struggle with pride, it's like, yeah, yeah, well, who doesn't? We just don't see it as really that bad. If you think about it, listen, our our society, especially in America, pride is actually encouraged. We just give pride different titles. We say, you know, believing in yourself or self-esteem or building yourself up. But end of the day, it's pride. This is serious stuff, y'all. Who wants to be detestable in the sight of God? And so Everlast, let's, let's take this seriously. Listen, every day you have a choice. You wake up in the morning and you have a choice. Check it out. It's like we all have a spotlight. And we can point that light to the cross. This is what we ought to do. This is the posture we should take every day. You know, I'm just going to be a person holding a spotlight and pointing to the cross and, and, and and telling people, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at God. Look at God. Draw all attention to Him. I'll just have my back to everyone saying, you know what? Don't look at me. Look at him and point my light toward God. That's what I'm created for. It, it, it's to, I'm created to bring glory to God, to lift him up. But more often we point the spotlight toward ourselves saying, look at me. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look at what I'm doing right now. Pay attention to me. I'm right. I'm always right. Drawing attention to me. We do that. Y'all, we do that in life. We want people to look at us. We want to be right. We show off what we've accomplished and what we've done. We want to draw attention to ourselves. Pride most definitely is not what we at times assume it is, though. We 
tend to only associate pride with the person that has a big ego, thinking that they are greater than everyone. Because some of you may be thinking right now, well, Kev, I, I actually don't think I'm that great. But you know what? You can most definitely still be prideful. You can still totally struggle with walking in humility. It's called self-loathing, which is, which is just pride manifested in a different way. Here's what a self-loather will do, which by the way is something that I struggle with a lot. Hey, look at me. Look how pitiful I am. Look how pathetic I am. Look how I don't measure up. I suck. Look, I'm the mayor of Suckville. Come, counsel me, help me. Look how awful I am. You know what? Talk about me, 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 me. Y'all, it's still pride. It's drawing attention to self when that is not what we're created for. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is so that we show off who He is. We humbly bow and point people to God. Let me ask you a question. Does your life look like that? Are you more concerned what people think about you? Yeah, are you more concerned with what people think about you? Or are you more concerned of what people think about God? Are you more concerned with you being right and your life being all about your way? Or are you more concerned with living for His glory and His will? We've mentioned branch sins multiple times in this series. Remember, branch sins are idols that are on the surface. They are great indicators of something going on deeper, something going on the core of your heart. I want to share with you now three branch sins that grow out of the core idol of pride. The first branch sin of pride is selfishness. Selfishness is where you are consumed with self. Your thoughts, words, and actions are inward about you and not outward about others or ultimately Jesus. It is in direct opposition with selflessness, which is what Christ is the epitome of and asked us to be. Here's the thing about selfishness. It can be so subtle that you don't even know it's there. There's been many moments in my life where I want things my way, and I don't even know it's selfishness growing out of the core idol of pride. A lot of this has been spotlighted for me in my marriage. Things like, does the toilet paper roll go under or over? By the way, if you say under, you just sinned and, and you need to repent. <laughs> Kidding, but really, you know, there, you know, there's grace for you in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways, here's the thing. People who are selfish think about, talk about, and pray about their, themselves way more than others. Really, though, think about how selfishness can play itself out. Praying for yourself more than praying for someone else. Being so particular over things that really don't matter in the long run. When someone is speaking to you, not really listening, but just waiting to respond with what you want to say. Not helping someone in any way, financially, something work-related, etc., because it inconveniences what you want to do. Listen, if I'm offending some of you, I can honestly keep going. <laughs> here at Everlast, we are here to speak truth, not fancy your feelings. Of course, we will speak the truth in love, though. Everlast in Calvary Worship Center as a whole is an absolute grace place. But that does not mean we won't speak the truth. We stand on the inherent truth of God's word. Speaking of truth, Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility 
count others more significant than yourselves. We are here to come under God's word and to submit to it, not to disagree and submit to our own ideas of how we think we should live. We will live how God instructs us to live and how God instructs us to live is to do nothing from selfishness. This is what is best. You know, I love how C.S. Lewis said it. He said, selfishness has never been admired. Now, moving on to the second branch sin of pride. Here we go. Arrogance. So the first branch sin is selfishness. Second branch sin, arrogance. Romans chapter 12, verses, uh, verse 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Here's what arrogance ultimately does. It places all, A-W-E, all on yourself. The pompous attitude of, I know what's best, is in direct opposition with our all of God. Everlast, placing your all on God is the most important thing you could ever do. Psalm 33 verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. You see, it's right when we lose our awe of God where we lose ourselves. So let, let's just real quick define the word awe. Awe, I would say, means this. A feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. Awe is actually a direct link to worship. End of the day, we are either worshiping God or something else. So if arrogance places our awe on ourselves, this means that we are worshiping self. Okay, so worship is what we were created for. Amen. Y'all, this is the final end of of, of all existence, the worship of God. God created the universe so that it would display the worth of His glory. And He created us so that we would see this glory and reflect it by knowing and loving it. Mark chapter 12 verse 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The third branch sin of pride is this, self-righteousness. So selfishness, arrogance, and lastly, the third branch sin, self-righteousness. Let me ask you another question. Do you think of yourself better than others? I mean, really think about that. Don't just dismiss it. I would argue that this Branson is the ugliest, by the way. It is also in direct opposition with what the Word of God says. If you have ever thought this, well, I mean, I know I'm a sinner, but I've never done that. Or because of me and, and what I've done, all this has actually happened. They could have never been able to do what I did. Listen, self-righteousness leads you to believe that you are not that bad of a sinner, which is, man, very, very, very dangerous, especially when you compare your sin to others. Self-righteousness leads you to believe that you and your works are good enough. Self-righteousness leads you to believe that you actually did something to earn God's love, forgiveness, mercy, and grace, which basically places you above God. I love how pastor and author C.J. Mahaney says, he said, pride is when sinful human beings aspire to the status and position of God and refuse to acknowledge their dependence upon Him. Another way to put it is is that self-righteousness is being more concerned for 
and motivated by the knowledge of the sin of others than your own. I love that. I'm going to read that again. Self-righteousness is being more concerned for and motivated by the knowledge of the sin of others than your own. Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 5 says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take this speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? Lastly, verse 5 says, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly the speck out of your brother's eye. I know I've used this example already tonight, but I'm telling you, if you want to see the ugliness of self-righteousness get put on full display, get married. (laughs) Man, I am forever thankful for God giving me a gracious wife who has repeatedly been patient with me and loving towards my inward self-righteous tendencies. I heard it once said, self-righteousness builds walls between people. Humility builds bridges. And my wife has been such a constant reminder of God's grace to me that humility is just that, a bridge builder. She's been such a great representation of humility to me. I'm so thankful. Listen, sweetheart, wherever, whenever you listen to this podcast, uh, hear me when I say that I love you and I'm so deeply grateful for you reflecting God's love to me despite me. And I tell you what, I'm, I, I tell you what I, I'm ultimately thankful for the Holy Spirit who has been so faithful to help bring the darkness of self-righteousness into the kingdom of light. And by the way, self-righteousness isn't always an initial real big and noticeable thing. I would say that the wall of self-righteousness is built with the bricks of subtlety. It all starts with a thought. Allow me to explain. If you tend to give sin a scale system, meaning like a scale from 1 to 10, the thought starts like this. Well, they they just gossiped and that's that's like a 6. When all I did was just laugh at what was gossiped about and that's more like a 2 or 3. Another thought may go like this. See, see, they actually cheated on their spouse. And that's definitely a 9. When my porn addiction is more like a 6.5. They got out loud angry and cussed me out. So that's probably like a 7 compared to my impatience, which is more like a 4. But hey, listen, do not get me wrong in this, Everlast. There's definitely different consequences that play play out when, when, when it comes to sin. But listen, as soon, as soon as you subtly think that your sin isn't that big or is smaller than someone else's, you have given the wall of pride its first brick. By the way, just to say, marriage is obviously not the main way self-righteousness gets, gets put on display. This can manifest in any relationship that you have. Okay, so seriously, be honest right here, right now, as you're listening to this sermon. Whose sin bugs you more? Your own? Or someone near you? Who are you desperate to see change? You or someone else in your life? Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Okay, so all these three branch sins that we've talked about, again, are excellent indicators of the core 
battle of pride wreaking havoc in our hearts. So with all this being said, what do we do? Y'all, what do we do? What, what is the direct antidote for pride? And I can, I can answer that in one word. Humility. I like to say it this way. Pride is blinding. Humility is seeing. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now that, that doesn't mean God is in opposition as if he just like doesn't like it. No, 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 no. The Greek word for opposes is um, antitasso, which literally means to rage and battle against, to set oneself against. So God doesn't just not like it. He hates it. We see here that God really detests pride. I don't know about you, but pride is not the side of the fence that I want to be on. Now back to the passage we mentioned at the beginning of tonight, Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. We'll read it again. Uh, Jesus said, says this, He also, Jesus, told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Verse 11, The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And then verse 13, Jesus said, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus then says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Listen, it's all about humility. As, as a matter of fact, wherever you're at listening to this message, can you just say that with me? Say this out loud. It's all about humility. A synonym to humility is meekness. The misconception of meekness, though, is having a quote-unquote lack of boldness or being too soft. But it is actually the opposite. Listen, meek is not weak. Meek is actually strong. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I also love what Proverbs uh, 11 verse 2 says. It says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. In Luke 18, y'all, we just saw Jesus paint an awesome picture showing us that humility is what God is after. But Jesus himself is the ultimate display of humility. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. As a matter of fact, in response to an argument that Jesus' disciples were having in Mark chapter 9, Jesus responds with a clear-cut answer. They were arguing at this. They were arguing, who is the greatest? Mark chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So Jesus ultimately shows us as clear as day that the way up is actually down. God desires us to walk humbly, y'all. I will always love the way that C.S. Lewis described humility. 
He says this, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Pride is something that excludes no one. You know, I heard it once that pride is at the root of all sin. And you know what? I, I, I completely 100% agree. All sin God hates and was deserving of his wrath and justice. But as we studied tonight and talked about, it's pride where we see a really heavy emphasis on how much God hates it. This makes me so, y'all, this makes me so thankful for the gospel. For Jesus to take on the wrath of God over sin, breaking down the dividing wall between God and man, let alone taking what I should be blamed for and tacking it on himself so that I can now have a right relationship with God? I mean, wow. Just wow. Listen, if you are sulking in a self-loathing bucket, constantly thinking about yourself and that you don't measure up, or if you're hoarding your finances or, or not helping someone in need because of the inconvenience it would cause in your plans. Or if, if you're not actually listening to someone and rather just waiting to speak. If you're being so meticulously particular on how, on how you, you know, what you think something should be like or, or whatever. If, if you look at someone else's sin worse than yours. End of the day, Everlast, it is pride. And pride, with all of its different manifestations, is something we all need to take very seriously. It is humility that we should be, you know, we should seek after instead. In our prayers, our thoughts, and actions, humility is the goal. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Again, it's all about humility. End of the day, pride is awful and God detests it, but he gives grace to the humble. And so to close out, this series through the core four has been nothing short of awesome to journey through together. If, and if you're anything like me, these core four idols have been spotlighted by the Holy Spirit this past month. And it's honestly been a joy to run away from them and to run to the all satisfying everlasting love of God. But Everlast, listen, this is not, this can't be, and this is not just a let's dive into this for a four-week series and then move on. No, 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 no. The core four has to be a daily thing that we are aware of, pray over, and hold each other accountable to, and fight to keep from actually taking root in our hearts. God has been so faithful to give us His grace to not only become more aware of these idols, but His grace has given us the ability to stand up, to fight, and to walk in freedom, knowing that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's grace is transformative. It is the only thing that can uproot these these core idols of, of, of comfort, approval, control, and pride. God's transformative grace is the only thing that helps us to keep walking in humility and walking in the light. And I'll just end with this verse. Romans 6 verse 14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And I'll tell you what, let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you so much. And we're so thankful for the work that you've been doing in our midst. And God, we're so thankful specifically for, uh, for this past month. Um, and how you've been working in our hearts and 
bringing these core idols to the surface and, and, and rather replacing them with the good news of Jesus. Help us to know that Jesus is bigger and better than anything that the world has to offer. God, I pray for those that are listening now that, 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 that maybe don't know you, that, Lord, that they would come to know you. Lord, you are so good. You are so true and you're so real. And it's amazing, God, that you give us the free gift of salvation. And Lord, we're so thankful for that. And I pray that for those that don't know you, that they would come to know you. And Lord, for those that are listening that already know you, that they would come to know you more. God, we are so thankful for this year. We're so thankful for what you've done in 2021. And we look forward, God, to what's in store in 2022 um, as you continue to draw us close in this amazing ministry that you've given us, Everlast, at Calvary Worship Center. Father, I pray for every young adult, Lord, that you would draw them close. Lord, your word says in the book of James that if we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Lord, we love you. We look to you. And uh, God, we're not going to be anxious for anything. We're going to trust you. And we're going to, like your word says in 1 Peter 5, to cast all our anxieties on you because you care for us. Lord, I pray that you bless everybody and their families during this Christmas season. Again, God, we look forward to what's in store next year. Be glorified. And God, we're going to be very careful to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. We ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One quick final word. Um, just wanted to say this on behalf of me, my wife, Tina, um, our Everlast leadership team and volunteer team. Just wanted to say thank you for such an amazing year. God, again, has done such an awesome work in our midst this year, 2021. And we can't wait, again, just for what he has in store for 2022. Hey, y'all have a Merry Christmas, and we definitely will see you next year. God bless.